Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast. It's May 22nd, and I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and sitting right next to me in Oakland is the effervescent Steph Walton. Hey, Steph. (laughs) Hi. I love it. I feel effervescent. You are. You're so bubbly and up. Oh, honey. I love talking to you. You know what? I wish every time that we were next door. I know. I wish we were sitting next to each other, looking at each other from across a table. Me too. You don't even know. I mean, I, I, someday it's so great. (laughs) We've developed this friendship. So just, just for anybody listening, Kimberly and I have known each other for years. Yeah. Since like 2012, I think, but we weren't really friends at that point. We met in 2012. Right. We met in 2012. Kimberly had just published, um, I think the Virgin Diaries. Actually, I, I think it was we had it was my mom and I had published Ain't No Sunshine, and then oh, that's right. So that's we had right. both the Virgin Diaries and Ain't No Sunshine. And then, and we I interviewed Kimberly and Ann Werner, and then we kind of stayed in touch, dotted it off, followed each other. Um, then I had Kimberly on a little show I used to do in the Bay Area in California to talk about Peyton's choice. Yes, and that was in 2016. And then right before the election, right before. Oh, God. And remember, we were laughing. What yes. a bunch of cocky chicks we were at, on that day. <laughs> um, then we kept then we kept it alive. Then Kimberly says, hey, do you want to be a guest on my podcast? I'm like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> and then Kimberly said, hey, do you want to just do the podcast? With me? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. And and then this friendship developed um, from coast to coast. I mean, we like, and I got to just say, I, I love it. Like I, I love that this has happened. Me too. Well, f- we were on the same coast and then I had to go and move and, um, you know, and it's tough because I don't have, I, you know, when I had regular jobs, I would meet people. So now my job is writing and podcasting. And while I get to meet people virtually, my days are spent in my office alone mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm a loner. So I kind of like that, but moving to another state means I don't have any friends. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I'm not so much of a joiner. I don't like, I don't like joining clubs and groups. I'm I'm just, I never have, but I'm going to have to figure out some. And the thing is, is I know what I would really like to do, but I'm not going to do it. And basically it would be joining a theater group. Um, I think it would be what? really fun. I'm not going to oh do my it, God. though. Okay, well, now you have to. You no, just I'm declared not, not, it. This is what you no, must do. No, I mean, do. I know that I would have fun doing it, um, but the thing, there's there's a number of things, and it's like, um, it would basically, when I'm doing, if I were to be doing plays and stuff like that, and this is going to sound really whiny, but I don't care because it's my life and I'm going to live it the way I want to. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I'd have to work late. I'd have to work late into the night and then I'd have to come home and I have to wake up. I don't wake up early in the morning, but I do try to wake up early enough and I need my sleep. My sleep is really important to me. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just, you know, it wouldn't be all the time that I would have this kind of schedule. Clearly, it would only be when a play was running, but... I do know that, uh, you know, plus there's rehearsal and rehearsing late. I used to be an actor and I know how it goes. And I was fortunate enough to, while I was studying my acting, um, sometimes our class would run really late, but I never had to work the next day. I, I never understood how people who had to be at jobs at like seven, eight in the morning could work, um, you know, could, could be at, at the acting studio until 11 or 12 at night and then have to like drive half hour, hour home. 
I can't get to sleep as soon as I get home. I have to like oh, lay yeah. down. I, yeah, for sure. For so, sure. I mean, I'm not going to join a theater company. It, it, it may be in my future. I don't know. But right now it's not. But I, you know, what? what's more likely is that I would try to find some kind of group that would be women focused. And the reason why is because it is what I talk about all the time. It's what I spend my time thinking about, writing about, podcasting about. And that way... I wouldn't be like the lone woman in the group who focuses on politics. So it right. wouldn't have to be a political group, but it, it would ha- I would want it to be a group where, you know, the it's some kind some kind of focus on women, women's issues, women's causes, something right. like that. So I don't know. I'm just gonna have to figure it out. But I mean, I would rather just like go hang out with you. <laughs> uh, well, I and you, I swear to God, we're getting to the point where like if some if some shit doesn't start to happen around this impeachment. Or, or women's rights, um, like, and, I, and I'm talking about happen in a positive way for, for normal, sane Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be seeing you in DC again. Yes. Like, honestly, like, this is, we are do or die at this point. We have a democracy that is in peril, right? Women's lives are at stake. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna strap on my helmet, <laughs> pop my mouth guard in, and get my ass on a plane. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And my mom always goes, "Now I think that's a terrible idea," but <laughs> I get where you're coming from. And my mom doesn't talk like that, but you know, right. it's like that mom that mom, mom attitude. Thing. Well, now I remember my brother and I were getting ready to protest. This was early on when we were like when we were still kind of new, it might've even been like early 2017 and something, I think Milo Yiannopoulos was coming out to Berkeley and I, you know, I live right next to university of California, Berkeley. And I go, Oh, I, I that it, it's on. And we were, my brother and I were talking about it. My mom goes, your dad would be so proud <laughs> of the activists you two have become. Aww. And, and I go, yes. And I'm going to put a helmet on and pop in my mouth guard. And she goes, well, now I think he thinks that would be a terrible idea. <laughs> but anyway, it's worth it. You know, it's, I would take a punch for democracy. Oh my God. To and the face. I know really, huh? I know I, because I, it's fucking scary. It's just it terrifying is. what's happening. But Hey, I want to just remind everybody. There's two things I want to remind you. Number one, um, mm-hmm. we are still waiting on a, um, a mixer. And so, mm-hmm. so this, somebody has the mixer. Basically the deal is Bob sent the mixer to this person who shall remain nameless. And this person keeps saying they sent it back and they haven't. So, um, I'm basically just waiting until we finally get this mixer. And then when we do, it won't take very long. But what Steph and I want to do is, um, there's a better way to record conversations than Skype. So we want to use that. And then what we'll do is Skype and uh, Skype and I, Steph and I are going to be on the, Mm -hmm. uh, on the better connection. And then we can use, we can call somebody on the phone and, and that would be ideal because it's just easier than all the crazy stuff we have to go when, when people aren't, you know, some of the guests that we have, they're not used to dealing with, um, technology and and recording and it's confusing and sometimes their settings are at a uh, you know I don't know they have their settings on something that we can't even figure it out and we can't troubleshoot it we don't have the time so anyway 
I'm just waiting. So I, I hate to continue asking everybody to be patient, but please be patient because I know that if this person doesn't send the mixer, I'm going to go fucking crazy on them. <laughs> and they're going to be so sorry. So um, hopefully it'll come this week. And hopefully this weekend, Bob and I will go through and I'll learn how to do it. And by June, because I'm not sure if we're going to have it ready by next Wednesday, but for sure, by June, we're going to, we should be good to go. So uh -huh. there's that. And then also, uh, just reminding everybody, listener-supported show, we do rely on the patrons to keep us going, so please consider supporting the show with any dollar amount. The $5 gets you into and another thing where you and I, or somebody else and I, talk some shit about some shit. It's usually a little mm -hmm. bit personal. Uh, sometimes it's a little more fun. We, we, we like to stick to the... Uh, politics for the most part and feminism on the main show but on the free show we get a little loose i'm i mean i'm sorry little on loose, the little <laughs> loosey goosey yeah not on the free show on the on the patron only show on the patreon and another thing and uh let's see what else what else what else i think that's it but you can just go to patreon.com slash start me up oh and i just also want to remind people since we are because we're going to talk about this in a second but since we're going through all these um, crazy abortion laws and bans mm. and all that, I did write a book called Peyton's Choice. And that is about a teenage girl who finds this guy, falls in love, has a romance, has sex, winds up pregnant and has an abortion. And I, she's a teenager. So I, I wanted to, I'm not giving anything away. The, the thing that I give away or that I'm, I'm not telling you is her thought process of having an abortion, whether or not she has any regrets, how she comes to that decision. And so I just, you can find it, Peyton's Choice, P-E-Y-T-O-N, apostrophe S, on uh, Amazon. And keep in mind that if you have a kid or, um, or if you're just, it's a young adult book. So I, adults have read it and liked it, but it is, uh, I did write it for young girls and even boys, because part of what, uh, Peyton's journey is, is her tremendously wonderful, gorgeous boyfriend sometimes can be an asshole to her. And mm, so, you what? Know, <laughs> so just how she deals with that. And the whole book is not about abortion. In fact, she doesn't really realize she's pregnant until about two thirds of the way in. So um, it's it's a combination, like I said, like teen romance, sex for the first time, and uh, and then dealing with an unwanted pregnancy. So so there's that. And I also, um, as we talked about, my mom and I did The Virgin Diaries, which is a bunch of stories about how people lost their virginity. So there you go. There's my ad <laughs> for my books. But they can all be found on Amazon. I will include the link in the description of the show. But for now, let's start talking about abortion. All right. <laughs> all right. Oh, my God. It's just um, in a minute, I'm going to play this amazing um, audio tape. Of, oh God! By yes, God, dang it! But, that was that was earth shattering. Yeah, and she I mean, yeah she is somebody who knows the, what she's talking about. Not only that, I mean, I'm seeing it more. This argument, basically, it's Brown versus the Board of Education, and it's the idea that the reason why uh, men are, or I guess men in red states are trying to legislate and regulate women's bodies is because they want more white babies. And well. I, I was glad that she put uh, uh, sorry sorry to interject um, but yeah when I when I watched that and listened to that I I hate to say that that I I have subscribed to that I just could never articulate it I believe that's true I believe that's true I'd never looked at it as we need more white babies so we can have more so we can maintain our numerical uh, advantage of whites over people of color. 
right? Did I did I say that correctly? Yes, yeah. yes you mm-hmm. did. Um, so this, okay, I'm going to just play this right now. Mm. So hold on, here it comes. You need to realize that it is not the intent of white people to let this situation change in favor of anyone but themselves. And right now, white people are really frightened. If you don't understand the destruction of Planned Parenthood uh, offices, and you don't understand the wall that we're going to build on the southern border of the United States, you haven't read the book The Birth Dearth by Ben Wattenberg. Ben Wattenberg was a brilliant Jewish man who was a member of the American Enterprise Institute, and he wrote a book, the first paragraph of which says, the main problem confronting the United States today is there aren't enough white babies being born in this country. He was an advisor to presidents of the United States. He wrote the book in 1987. He says, there are, if we don't change this and change it rapidly, white people will lose their numerical majority in this country and this will no longer be a white man's land. Now, I'm not misrepresenting this. I'm telling you exactly, almost exactly what he says. He says there are three things we can do to solve this. Number one, we could pay women to have babies as they have been doing in Western European nations for years. Then he says, and these are his words, not mine, unfortunately, we would have to pay women of all colors to have babies, so we don't want to do that. He says the second thing we could do is increase the number of legal immigrants that are allowed into this country every year. Then once again, he says, unfortunately, the vast majority of those wanting to come to this country today are people of color, so we don't want to do that. The third thing, he says, and white men, women had better pay attention to this, 60% of the fetuses that are aborted every year are white. If we could keep that 60% alive, that would solve our birth dearth. Does that sound like racism to you? And if it doesn't, I want to know why it doesn't. If it doesn't, you don't understand what racism is. And I think it does. When we close Planned Parenthood clinics because we think they're there only for abortion, we need to take another look. They are used for many, many, many things, and many women need the things that they can get from Planned Parenthood clinics. But we are willing to do away with all that good to avoid allowing white women to have control of their own bodies. Now, nobody had better tell one of my daughters or granddaughters what they can do with their body. Oh, my God. I mean, she's just right on the money. You know? Right on. She right just, dead I mean, that's on. Exactly, that's exactly what it's all about. Why they're, they're getting rid of Planned Parenthood, all of that stuff. All of it. So It, it was, it was um, I, I was, you know, when you sit and your mouth is agape and it falls open when you hear something because it's like, Doing. Yeah, oh my exactly. God. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly it. And by the way, who is this fierce mofo? No kidding. Jane <laughs> Elliott. Give me some more of that woman. The guy that was interviewing her was just sitting there like, preach, girl. I know. Preach. <laughs> just like, don't fucking mess with her. No. She was, she, she's amazing. But it's exactly. And there was there was a Rolling Stone article that I read earlier today that was just basically saying the same thing. So <laughs> I think it's good that this is something that is now being discussed and understood by many, because unfortunately, there's a lot that isn't understood by many. And for instance, I said the other day, and I know this is such a fucking radical idea, but I said abortion should be free and on demand. And of course, some people were like, hell yeah. And then other people had some ridiculous answers for me. And one of them was that, oh, well, we can't do that because then abortion would be used as birth control. And I thought, okay, number one, it already is. Number two, what difference does it fucking make for you? 
if it's right. used as support. What difference does it make to you? And the only thing that I can come up with is what difference does it make is that if it is free, then it's going to be tax dollars that are paying for it. So nobody wants their tax dollars to go to endless abortions. But if, and it's not to say that women would be constantly, I mean, frankly, if abortion were free and I were of the age that I could get pregnant and then wanted abortion, seriously, nobody wants to have to deal with going through an abortion. Mm-mm. Which is, I have another thing to say about this as far as wanting abortion, but no one wants to have to go through that. No, like, nobody wants that experience. No, nobody. But you want the abortion. You just don't want to have to make the decision. You don't have to want to deal with it and, and all of that. So then you also make birth control free and you educate the public because then Thank when you. you do that, you have less abortion. So it's not like women are all excited, like, oh, I'm going to go have sex tonight. And if I get pregnant, I'll just go have an abortion. It's not a walk in the fucking park. No, it's it's a horrific. It's it's not a pleasant experience. It's not comfortable. It's not. There's aftermath that, you know. Yeah, every woman is different, too. There's like uh, my girlfriend was bleeding for like a week afterward. Oh, a week? Yeah. Lucky her. (laughs) There you go. See, everybody is different. For some people, it's not so bad. I mean, I remember, and I've never had one, so I can't speak to the fact that, you know, I I, I haven't had it. But uh, somebody had mentioned, because I said something along the lines of, you know, just like I'm pro-abortion just as I'm pro-colonoscopy or pro-root canal. It's like, obviously, nobody wants to have those procedures either, but you want them available to you. And so um, somebody said, I've had an abortion and I've had a root canal. And the abortion was easier. So, you know, everybody's experience is going to change. Everybody's body reacts differently. But in the end, having an abortion, I mean, I wrote about it and I did some research on it and I talked to people who had abortions. It's like, it's not fucking fun. It's not something, no. it's, it's not something that, you know, and of course there are going to be people and there are people right now who have had three, four, five abortions. But you know what? It's none of your fucking business. It's just none of your business. And so I think that if we made birth control free and we educated our youth and and our electorate, then there would just be less abortion. And somebody somebody else said something like, oh, no, no. The cost of an abortion serves as a sobering second thought. It's like, what's a sobering second thought bullshit? To whom? To the woman that wants to have one? Yeah. Guess what? You want to know what serves as a sobering second thought? If I didn't have this abortion at uh, a week before my 18th birthday, um, not only would I be ruining my life, but I would be probably ruining the life of my unborn baby. Yeah. Of the of the fetus that is a seed inside of me. I'm not even, I'm going to nip that before I have the chance. That's a sobering second thought. If I were to have a child at the age of 18, that would be a shit show for all involved. Okay? That's the, 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 the thought that had I carried out with a pregnancy when I was an 18-year-old girl, my father yeah. uh, I would have raised that baby with me. Right. My mother and my father. And, and maybe that would have been a saving grace for the kid because, you know, I was barely, like, getting it done for myself at that right. age. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's sobering. Yeah, bringing, well, the, a, bringing, yeah. a, bringing a life into the world, uh, 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 bringing another human being into the world that you cannot care for properly. Right. Mentally sobering. or any other way. 
any other way. But you know, I, the, the idea that so, sobering second thought as if it's a moral thing. It's like it's a fucking medical procedure. Correct. If, if you want to attach morality to it, that's your issue. That's on you. It's not necessarily my issue. And, you know, it's like there's been a um, little bit of a debate on how to phrase abortion care. And, you know, I wrote something about it. And I think that I think that activists uh, or abortion right act people who are pro-abortion. And when I say pro-abortion, again, it's like pro-colonoscopy. I don't mean like, woohoo, abortion is awesome. Yeah, but I don't see it. Yeah, exactly. And I don't see a problem saying pro-abortion. I am pro-abortion. No, exactly. So am I. Um, But anyway, so it's like some people have, you know, I don't think that people who are pro-choice or pro-abortion should couch describing it in any kind of emotional term because again for each woman it's going to be different some Mm -hmm. women there there might be a woman who's in a relationship with somebody she loves and she desperately wants to have a child and then finds out that that fetus has you know is just sick and will never make it has fatal abnormalities and so Mm -hmm. the doctor says you know what uh if this child goes to term if it even lives it's going to come out and it's going to be sick and it's not going to make it. Well, then that's going to be a it's a choice where she still wants to have the abortion because she doesn't want to force this on her on her fetus, on the fetus and then her potential child. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it would be agonizing. It would be agonizing for her because that child would have been wanted. That's horrible. Um, I've, I've been there. I had to I went through that exact experience when I was 40 years old. Yeah. I had a gen- I had a, a blighted ovum. I was pregnant. I was trying to get pregnant. I had one healthy child already. I had already had three miscarriages in a six-month window. Wow. Pregnant, miscarry, pregnant the next month, miscarry, pregnant the next month, miscarry, and then pregnant a fourth time. And then had a blighted ovum where my body, my my body was acting as though it was still pregnant, but there was no viable um, uh, fetus. Mm -hmm. I had to have an abortion. Um, when they, when, when, if that, if if there had been a heartbeat, if there had been, you know, um, uh, a a baby that came from that, uh, they did a genetic testing, uh, a test on it. It, it had abnormalities genetically. It would never have survived for any period of time outside of my body. Okay. The fact that I had to let go and I had to accept that that I wanted to be pregnant didn't uh, take away from the fact that having the abortion was the right thing to do. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And you wanted it because you understood both sides of it. If you were to go both on sides. with it, I mean, so, 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 you know, and then there's women who get pregnant and they don't want to be pregnant and they don't want to be mothers and they don't have any regret and they have a, they're just fucking relieved, you know, right. and, and I say this. In part because I had mentioned something on my Facebook page and I saw a couple of men say, oh, that must be the most agonizing decision a woman could make. No, not really. Sometimes it's the absolute easiest decision. And yeah, and it's like, frankly, oh, and it's like I've said this so many times and I'm going to continue saying it because I don't seem to get any traction with my retweets and I don't know why that is. But fucking Chris Matthews still pushes the idea that this late he had mentioned a while back that he was glad that Joe Biden was coming on because he'd be the Democratic candidate who wasn't for late term abortions. And basically he's he's seeding this, you know, morality, uh, moral high ground 
to the people who force birth on on you. Late-term abortions are extremely rare, and it's because the the fetus is in danger or the mother's in danger or both. It's mm-hmm. not because somebody at six or seven months decided, fuck it, I don't want to be a mom. It's just, it's the most, it, you know, and then, and just recently, Bernie Sanders was talking to fucking Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd is such an idiot, and I don't know why he, I don't know why they have him on Meet the Press, but, you know, they're, Bernie was asked a bunch of questions about abortion. And of course, he answered in the way you'd expect. I understand this man has 100% rating at Planned Parenthood and 100% rating at NARAL. So he is for, uh, you know, reproductive rights and all of that. But but then Chuck Todd said something, you know, asked him something along the lines of, you know, what do you what what kind of punishment or what would you have? What would you do legally about the women who are trying to choose the sex of their child? And when they don't get what they want, they abort it. And Bernie Bernie's fucking answer was something along the lines of, yeah, we have to pay attention to that. First, he started, like, first you could tell he was trying to to say something like, "Uh, well, that doesn't really, uh," and then he would interrupt himself. But in the end, his answer was, yes, this is an issue we have to deal with, and I don't have an answer to it. No, it is not an issue we're dealing with. Right. It is not. And, and the answer to it is we're not dealing with this. People aren't doing this in America. They're not choosing. I mean, OK, I can't speak for every single person who's having an abortion, but but that's not what's happening in this country. People mm-hmm. don't choose abortion based on the sex. This isn't fucking China where you get, you know, X amount of, of, of births and then you're done. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even justifying choosing the sex, but. His answer was lame because he fed the idea and he gave the right wing talking points as if this is actually happening. And it isn't. And it's like, dude, if you want to be fucking president, get it straight. Understand how to talk about reproductive rights or get out of the fucking race. Right, (laughs) right. This is me off. It just he makes me so angry because I get that he is, you know, pro abortion and, you know, pro bodily autonomy and that the you know so he does he gets it but if he doesn't know how to answer a question like right that, if he because right. i saw somebody on twitter say that was a gotcha well he's a fucking presidential candidate he should have been able to come out and say that doesn't happen that's a stupid that shouldn't be a gotcha that should be a what time is it it's yeah. this and it should that's... it should have also been chuck come on don't ask well, and stupid if you're a Democratic candidate for, for president if that doesn't roll if an answer to that question doesn't roll off your tongue get out of the race yeah. like you said get out but Just of course get out. he won't. Um, although his numbers are sliding, and I think that's kind of interesting. And you know what happened? I I just saw um, Ryan Knight. What's what's his handle? Or what is what does he? Go? Ryan Knight goes by Resistor, Proud Resistor, and so he just did a poll, and it's funny because his poll is exactly mine that I did last week. So first, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, and Bernie. So you're only allowed four. And I noticed that he he put them in those order just as I did. And then that was the order of what people are, are you know, are when they're taking the poll, they're choosing Warren first, Kamala second, Biden third. Bernie's always last when I do these polls. Granted, it's informal, but he's always last and he's always really low. The numbers are low. So if like Kamala's at 37 percent, Bernie's at six. And so um, I did a I did this poll and it was getting shared a lot. So that told me that, you know, it wasn't just my my followers. It was a whole bunch of different people. And, and they were all pretty. There's like it's been consistent when I've done this poll. I did this poll last week, but I've done it before. But then what I noticed, because it was a 24 hour poll, 
what I noticed was like probably at the like 20th hour, all of a sudden, Bernie went from single digits to like 37%. So then I started looking at the retweets. Right, of course. And the retweets were filled with Bernie people. And it was Ber- people who had Bernie in their either handle or in their description. So clearly a bunch of Bernie people saw that the poll was not good for him. So they, you know, they put it out to their Bernie supporters and all the Bernie supporters were voting. So it's like, okay, that's not even legitimate. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, these are informal polls and I totally realize that. But at the same time... It's fairly consistent. And I know that, you know, when I do these, they're getting shared by, you know, all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it gives a pretty decent, you know, um, very diverse group of people. But not when you have, I mean, if everybody who was an Elizabeth Warren supporter shared that poll, of course, her numbers would go up. But I think more and more people are starting to prefer her. I I agree. Well, because she's showing that she is she's thinking about, you know, here's what's wrong and here's the solution for it. It's (laughs) not got a solution for everything. Well, and that that's what we need, because this is it. We're we're living through a uh, shit show right now. Our democracy. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it it just to me is it's, oh God, how funny. I'm just, you know, I'm sitting here with you in front of my computer and I just got an email notification from Elizabeth Warren. Oh my God. I love her. I love her too. I don't want to love her, but I do. You don't want to love her? Why? Well, because I don't want to love anybody. I want to be indifferent and just vote for the person who can win. I love them all. I love (laughs) Julian Castro. Yeah. I love Kamala Harris. Yeah, me too. I love Elizabeth Warren. I got a little love for Joe Biden. I've loved Joe Biden for years. I Hey, is he my number one pick right now? No. Am I going to jump on that bandwagon faster and harder right. than ever if he gets a nomination? You bet. Yeah, of you course. You bet. And, and, you know, I, I don't, I do too. I feel the same way about him. I don't, I don't know if I would go so far as to say love, but I, you know, I mean, I like him and I think that, being Obama's vice president really helped his because, you know, he's run for president before and, and not won. Clearly, he's been in, con, you know, in government for a long fucking time. Um, so he's definitely got the experience. Um, but it's like to say, do I love him? No, I don't love him, but I like him. And I would feel comfortable knowing that um, anybody on our team took over. You know what I mean? Although, mm-hmm. although I keep going back to this because it was somebody else and now I can't remember who it is, but Cohen and somebody else, I don't know who it was, specifically said, well, Cohen during his testimony said that Trump wasn't going to transition if he gets voted out, that he's not going to go peacefully. And the more I think about that, that was a big fat warning to us. He didn't say, hey, everybody, get ready, prepare. He just He just kind of said it in a, you know, mild like like brushing over it kind of way but trump if 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 we have an election where trump loses please 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 he's not going to fucking he's he's going to go insane it, like we think right. he's going insane now he's going to fucking lose everything he's going to lose it all i don't know right. what he's going to do but you know i mean bob had this like crazy conspiracy theory idea which 
he's probably gonna if if he knows I'm showing it to roll his eyes like don't say that out loud. But um, because it was just a thought. It's not something he believes. It was just like well, what if this? And the what if was like what if somebody else wins and then you know we have our inauguration. And everything is, you know, we've got our transition, but he absolutely refuses to accept the fact that he's not president anymore. And he just basically claims that he's the president of his own supporters and starts, you know, behaving in this way. Um, well, I think that's totally possible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that would mean. As I mean, for him, it means nothing. He has, you know, we have the military. We have all the power, if that's the case. Um but what we don't have is the support of his supporters who hate us, mm-hmm. who just absolutely mm-hmm. hate us. And so would that turn into some kind of civil war? I mean, I guess you could answer that question by saying, well, every time that there's some kind of like, hey, let's go have a MAGA rally where Trump isn't there. There's like four or five of them. <laughs> you know? it's like, right. I right. Mean, they, they show up to his rallies. But, um, you know, you have to wonder sometimes about at least I do those rallies although i am sure you know he goes to the red states and they fucking love him and so they're all screaming for him but i mean are what are those people willing to risk their lives for him if that if that ridiculous Gosh, unlikely scenario I mean, happens i you know i'm sure there are some that would be yeah or who are i mean these people are loons <laughs> they're loons yeah, you know they're, like they're beyond deplorable those, those, yeah. I mean, the people that show up at his rallies, all white, except for the one paid black guy who yeah. holds the weird sign up, you know, um, like literally he was paid. <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm being, yeah. the, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it for, I'm, yeah, for everybody yeah, else listening. Yeah. He's, if you didn't he's paid. Know, he's just paid. look for him. He's paid. Yeah. Um, you know, those people in their hearts and souls are motivated by racism and, um, they, they're, they're, Drinking Kool-Aid based on that. This is what I think. This is my opinion. This mm-hmm. is what I think. Um, you know, Jeff Daniels was on. You, um, yeah. Jeff Daniels, the actor, the brilliant actor, um, who is just such an interesting, alluring man to me <laughs> because, you know, he does the newsroom. He does something wild. He does Dumb and Dumber. And then he goes on to, and, and he's, he's so doing funny to and kill dumb and dumber. so funny. And he go, he's, you know, he's on Broadway doing To Kill a Mockingbird. He's, he's, you know, he's got he's the amazing, chops. He's, yeah. a, he's, he's an amazing artist. Then he is a guest on Nicole Wallace's show Deadline White House two days ago mm. in a suit looking talk about looking presidential, but just knowing his shit and saying the democ our our democracy is at stake. Where are the Patriots members of Congress who are waffling, uh, you know, about whether or not we should impeach this guy are of no use to any of us right Mm -hmm. now. This, the, the, the Republican party is desperate that, that, that they're in danger of, of falling apart completely. Mm -hmm. So the ones that, you know, the ones who are so dying to hang on to their power said, okay, the one thing we've got is this, is this race element. So let him go, let him go Mm -hmm. and just fly the racist flag free and unleash this base and let's do this thing. And it's just, it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not who we are. No, it isn't. It, It isn't who we are. That's not representative of who we are. It's just not. Just, I'm, we're, we're, that's not that's not it 
I, I'm sick. I'm I know. Sick. I, I know. And, you know, the, the thing that's really upsetting is obviously there is this percentage. I mean, it's somewhere in the 30s, high 30s that, you know, just love him and support him no matter what. And it's not even that they love him. They love the idea that that somebody has given them a justification for all of their anger and hatred. Um, and it has given them a, a focus to, to place their hatred and anger because I really truly believe that um, these people were angry before Trump says, hey, be angry at these people. And they go, OK. I mean, they were already angry at us, you know, in a normal way. Um, but then I think it, it became this weird brainwashed thing. But that is not the majority of people in our country. And what's upsetting to me is the way that the media is handling it. Because mm -hmm. we don't have this centralized, um, you know, ABC News. I mean, we have it, but we also have cable news. So nobody's watching the nightly news anymore where there's just, you know, one person who's reporting the news and not putting in their opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that all... All, whether you're a Democrat or an independent or a Republican, everybody accepts what they say is real. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and so because of that, you know, we have, even though we have news organizations like MSNBC, which are not promoting lies, we are still promoting opinion, and or they are, and therefore not going to be watched by the people who like Fox or who watch, you know, or listen to Rush Limbaugh or any of these other people. And so... When CNN and MSNBC kind of play into this, when they, when they, during the six, 2016 election, they were, you know, putting their fucking, they, they were showing on the television while the, uh, you know, host was talking, this empty podium waiting for Trump to come out. It was an empty fucking podium. <laughs> Instead of focusing on, you don't have to focus. I mean, he got more coverage than Hillary Clinton did, but it's not that you had to focus so much on Hillary Clinton. It was just a give them equal time, which we don't have the fairness doctrine anymore, so we don't have that to, to for, for those rules to follow. But instead of focusing on, you know, I don't know policy or reality about these women that are accusing Trump of being a rapist, they're they're, mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. focusing on, oh, Trump's gonna talk in five minutes. Let's stare at the mm -hmm. empty podium till he gets there. You know, mm -hmm. and then there's a number of other things, just like Chuck Todd, who is pushing this false narrative that people are having abortions based on the sex of the fetus. Right. It's, it's not true. Right. Like when you do, they're harming us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's like, so, okay, we've got this part of the country that's fucking whack. But aside from them, it's the adults in the room are not doing their job. Right. And when I say the adults, I'm talking specifically about Democrats and the media, because Democrats should be educating the public on why Democrats are better than Republicans. The economy, we, Social Security, Medicare, 40-hour uh, work week, infrastructure. It's just endless, endless why we're better. But they're not doing it. <laughs> endless why we're better. Exactly. <laughs> it's endless. It is exactly. just fucking endless. And, you know, I mean, no matter how many times um, a, a Republican will tell you, I want to be fiscally responsible. Well, then vote for a Democrat because that's where you're right. going to get the fiscal responsibility. It's not right. going to be from the Republicans. That's right. <laughs> I'm pissed. Don't I'm you know? Pissed too. So what do you think? OK, I want to ask you this because everybody's got a fucking opinion. 
Um, Nancy Pelosi literally just said, we believe the president of the United States is engaged in a cover-up. Mm-hmm. So That's said, exactly what she said, girl. Yeah, exactly. I was reading her quote. So um, now you've got the camp that's like, I mean, there's the Sarah Kenzior's and the Andrea Chalupas who are Gaslit Nation. And they are just like, you know what? She is failing us. She should have impeached before. You've got the other people are saying she's playing chess, not checkers. Give her some time. Um, what do you, where are you on this? Oh, <laughs> um, okay. First of all, she's brilliant. Yes, she is. Okay. Um, I, I want impeachment proceedings to be brought. That's really great grammar. <laughs> I, I want that to begin. I think that should have begun, um, you know, two years ago. Mm-hmm. With emoluments. Yeah, okay. emoluments. I mean, and also, um, I fired Comey because of this Russia thing. Right. right. I love it when you say that. <laughs> it, that, that ne- I, I just want you to know that never gets old for me. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, I, you know, I, I am not, I love Proud Resistor, but he is freaking furious I know he is. about and he and I and I agree with him. I'm freaking furious too because I think that we are like our country. It, we are so damaged right now in the two and a half years that this megalomaniac, lunatic, lying, uh, cheating, filthy, grifting, horrible, racist, unintelligent person, mm-hmm. okay, has been at, and at humorless. The <laughs> oh, he's there, there's nothing there's no, I cannot think of one. I, I honestly um, can't think of one good thing about him. But let me I'm, I'm digressing. I believe that Nancy Pelosi is smarter than all of them. Maybe not maybe not smarter. There are a lot of smart mofos in that Congress. Right. <laughs> but but in terms of strategic, I'm, I'm not. I'd love for him to be impeached right now. I'd love for that to get started. I know it, it you know it it's not lost on me that we need 67 votes in the Senate to actually make it happen to get him gone. But I do think it would damage him. I do think it would damage the Republican Party further moving moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um to have an impeached uh, I, I, I can't even refer to Trump as a, as a, as the P word, but to, to impeach him, he's you know, illegitimate I, president, he's illegitimate. All of it's illegitimate. The, the Supreme court justices that were appointed were illegitimate. The fact that Anthony, uh, Kennedy stepped down and his filthy son, Justin Kennedy illegally loaned money or helped to launder money or God knows what they did at Deutsche Bank. Like a to Supreme Trump, yeah. A Supreme Court seat was bought and right. paid for. Mm-hmm. And and now we're looking at, you know, not just, you know, states saying no to abortion, but a Supreme Court that could possibly overturn Roe. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, like, we've this, got John Roberts. That's that's the person that will decide. Okay, well, guess what? That doesn't that doesn't make me sleep soundly at yeah, night. Me neither. Right. That's that's like. That is the biggest roll of the dice that we could ever hope yeah. for as a, as a, you know, as, as human beings, it's crazy. Um, so I don't know, fudge. I, I, <laughs> I would love, I just want him gone. Well, there, there are people and I, you know, and I've seen just commenters on Twitter who I think are smart people that I know through Twitter, um, who think that it's better to wait uh, the longer we wait, the more impactful it will be. I, I know other people are like, no, it should have happened, you know, two years ago. 
Um, I see the, I, I can understand that impeachment would perhaps, like, I can see where Democrats would feel nervous about it. Like, will it backfire on us? But in the end, it's, it's really not a political thing. It's a constitutional mm-hmm. duty. Mm-hmm. And- I, that, so, so there you have it. Yes, it is a constitutional duty. They work for us. Yeah. And, and he needs to be called out. And the sad truth is that the people of this country haven't read the Mueller report. And this would be a, a, a good way for those folks to, if we have, you know, televised hearings, although I'm sure that, you know, no one's going to show up. It's just, but, but that will be part of the deal. It's just that this administration absolutely fails to cooperate. I mean, they're not cooperating on ridiculous things. I think Rachel Maddow was pointing out last night that it's not just about, you know, the Trump scandal. They're not showing up for things about climate and just anything. It just doesn't matter what it is. They're just obstructing every single thing. Well, the I mean, to, to just take it one step further, obstructing and then not just obstructing, but just not doing it. There are 4.4 million people in this country who are waiting for assistance with housing federally. Yeah. And we have a secretary of HUD who thought Katie Porter asked him about Oreos yesterday, who thought um, uh, Representative Beatty was asking him about Amway. You know, what? I don't believe him. I don't believe him because, you know, people are saying he's stupid. He's not fucking stupid. He's a brain surgeon. In fact, he operated on my stepmother. My what? Step- yeah, my stepmother has. What? Yeah, and, and, and he, she has this thing, and I don't know what it's no, called. wait a minute. Just don't gloss <laughs> over that. Well, I'm, I'm telling you. She had this, oh. she has this nerve thing, and I don't know the name of it, but it's very rare. They call it, like, the suicide disease because it's so <laughs> awful people commit suicide. And um, I know that it was kind of like on the, it, whatever it was, I mean, it's, it's in her, she had brain surgery, but mm-hmm. it was, you know, on the side of her face, it, it was so painful that even if like a little bit of wind went up against her cheek, it would be excruciating for her. Oh my God. And so they got Ben Carson and, you know, my father, well, of course, insanity. I know uh, my father who, I mean, before this was before he was in the political arena. So he was just a doctor. And of course, my father was completely freaked out. You know, this is his wife and and Mm -hmm. he doesn't want anything terrible to happen. And she's going in for fucking brain surgery. So, you know, the, the surgery is over and my poor dad is like waiting and here comes Ben Carson, totally fucking great bedside manner, sits down with my father he takes a napkin and a pen and explains what he did. And I, and, and all I can say is that all these nerves, these tiny, teeny, tiny little nerves were all fucking mangled and wrapped up in each other. He had to go and like literally take each one separately and take them apart. I mean, it was like this operation was so complicated. And so, you know, Ben Carson comes out and sits down with my father and puts his mind at ease and says, this is what we've done. This is successful in his calm Ben Carson voice. And he made my father feel comfortable. And he, I mean, I can't say he cured my stepmother because this could come back. And people who have this, whatever it is, um, it, it can come back. And there are different things that you can do to, um, I don't know, take, you know, make it easier or whatever, but it can come back. So mm-hmm. 
that's why I say I don't believe, first of all, he's not stupid. And second of all, this was on purpose because I know firsthand this man knows how to be compassionate. He knows how to be a good person. And so this whole Oreo Amway shit was an act. Mm-hmm. And it was something to just avoid questions and to be rude and to basically say, fuck you, I've got my job and fuck you. I, I'm above the law and I can do anything I want. And that, oh, you know what? And he said, he said um, when he was running for president, I also believe he has a, a, a major God complex. Because, oh, for, yeah. Have you for seen the pictures reasons. of him yes. with Jesus? Yes. But he said he could feel the, the fingers of God tickling him when he was considering being president, which was to him, he's made more than one comment about how God has told him or showed him that he wants him to be president. So he's clearly got a God complex. But what (laughs) I'm worried about is I don't know if it's just ego or if they just really know something we don't and that they get to do whatever the fuck they want and act however they want. But I don't believe for one second the man is stupid. I think he's just being an ass on purpose. Okay. I, I think he's being an ass on purpose. And I also think he's just, I think he doesn't have any, I think he's one of those people that's probably so smart that he's just awkward in every other aspect well, of he's, life. Yeah, except, he's smart in one way. He's smart in the way of being a neurosurgeon. Because let's not forget when the, the Republican debates came out, he couldn't make his way out on I know, the I know, that was really funny. <laughs> I know, and then there was that time where he was complaining. He used his entire time to complain that he didn't get enough time. And it was just like, you fucking idiot. But yeah, no, I I think, okay, so I just called him an idiot. But I mean, idiot meaning that he didn't properly use his time. But I think you're absolutely right. He's very smart as a neurosurgeon, but he's awkward in every other way. And I also think that he's in a job that he knows nothing about. He doesn't right. understand what he's doing. And he doesn't care to understand what he's doing. Because he just wants the clout. Yeah. And and so, and and what what's happening now is he's, he's drunk the Kool-Aid. He's tasted the... You know, the power, the ability to willy nilly buy an $8,000 dishwasher and not, you know, have no repercussions, that kind of crazy stuff. And he's drunk from it. Yeah, he totally is. And it's it's really he should have just fucking stayed a doctor. He was an amazing doctor. You know, he he was I think he was the first and just continued. Yeah. And just continue to paint pictures of himself with Jesus looking over (laughs) his shoulder with scrubs. I think think he was the first doctor to um, there was those conjoined twins at the head and he was able to separate them. So, I mean, he, he, he did that. He, he's brilliant when it comes to neurosurgery and brain surgery. Yes, he's brilliant. But it's like outside of that, he's really I mean, he was he's such, he's he's a, a, a thousand ways gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really is. And I mean, I will always be grateful for what he did. You know, he saved my stepmother's life. And um, she's she's going to have to battle with this for, you know, her entire life. But you know, she's able to enjoy her life and have a good quality of life now because of Ben Carson. Right. Can I just say you have the best stories. (laughs) That's, that's a strange life. Why have you not told me that? Like, this is, this is what I'm having trouble dealing with right now. Like, I didn't know this. I know everything. Well, you know, I've got, I've done some crazy things. I've had a really weird life. I've just, you know, I've had a non-traditional life, but yeah, I love it. You always pop up with some gems, though. I mean, we talk about everything and we talk for freaking hours sometimes. <laughs> but I, on Mother's Day, just just to completely separate, but just to show you there's always a surprise at every turn with Kimberly Johnson. <laughs> you you and your mother, 
who I freaking adore and think is, your mother is just a grade A badass. Like there's just no question, right? But when she, you said, and happy Mother's Day to my mother, Ann Warner, who once quit a job at a car dealership <laughs> over the loudspeaker. <laughs> oh, I yeah. love it. That's feminism right there. That is. Yeah, she couldn't right? find anybody to quit to. She she kept, go- I mean, she hated that fucking place. And um, she couldn't find anybody to quit to. She just went on the loudspeaker and she's like, attention customers or whatever she said. <laughs> she said, the fleet department is now closed. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> I can't remember oh, which, I love which her place so it was. Much. But you know, you know what else she did, which is really kind of funny because she got into the car business. Um, it was around 1980, like three and actually did very well. Not surprisingly, she's an, she's just one of those people that she excels at whatever she decides to do. She was an A student. She just is like, in fact, she used to work, she used to sell wine and um, she would do it on the phone. And so she would show up to work and she would have all her shit and, you know, it would be spread out on her desk. And then people thought that she had quit because she was so neat. She tidied up the desk and took everything and put it all away. Mm-hmm. And people thought she had quit. But it's just because she's so fucking neat and perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, she so she had been working for Peyton Kramer Ford, which was in a uh, uh, car dealership in Torrance. And I don't know. I don't know the details on this, but um, they were treating her in a way that she didn't think was proper. So she stayed home. She wouldn't go to work. And they kept calling her and begging her to come back. And basically, she said something along the lines of, well, I'll come back if I'm made general sales manager. So they're begging her, they're begging her. Finally, they, they, get, they offer her the job of general sales manager. She's like, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I definitely learned how to um, navigate no the world thanks. through her. <laughs> it's like she, she tells them that's what she needs. And then she's like, nah. I had some time to think. <laughs> but of, of course, oh, it was all men. It was all men that she worked with. And so, you know, I don't know what they did. But and then she liked that job. I mean, I don't know exactly what led her to boycott the showroom and not show up anymore. But she was obviously good at what she did. And um, she had started off as a salesperson and moved up to um, finance manager. And and then eventually she did go to fleet. But I don't know if she was fleet there. But anyway, so, yeah. But you know what? She taught me because... And she never gave me that. She never sat down with me and gave me this particular lesson. But by watching her, I learned that when I, you know, I would always laugh at people when they would say, oh, I'm so nervous for this job interview. And it's like, why? You're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. You both have needs. It's not just Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And I get it if you're if you're like have no money and you're you're afraid of, of, you know, your bills piling up, then yes, you desperately want that job. But when, you know, I've had plenty of job interviews where I've had a job. So I, you know, I wasn't worried about money. Those are the best ones. Yeah, of course. But there was this particular job that I, I was, when I sold industrial chemicals, I had, I'd seen this job on Craigslist and they called it a recession proof job, which really isn't true because when you have these, um, a lot of these specialty industrial chemicals, they're really impressive, I gotta say, but um, they're really also very expensive. And sometimes they are superior and sometimes they aren't. So it's it's tough to, you know, go sell a product for three times more than you can literally go get at Home Depot. But I wasn't <laughs> sure about this job. I was really kind of afraid. In my mind, um, I had 
I like I saw a trailer filled with some chemicals and that they were just going to send me these chemicals and, and, and that's not what it was but it was in my mind I just I just kind of thought what kind of fucking crazy job is this but you know they gave you a salary potential I thought well I'll check it out so they offered you know this draw against commission which was $2000 and that and for anybody who doesn't know what a draw against commission is it just means that a company will pay you $2000 you have to as an employee sell enough so that your commission equals up to or more than $2000. If you mm-hmm. if you only sell enough to where your commission is $1500, then the next month you're going to have to make that up. Uh you've got $500 to make up in order to then, you know, they'll keep paying you those $2000. Eventually they'll fire you if you don't even make that. But I mean if if like so like say you only sell $1,500 the first month. The next month, you have to sell $2,500 just to be even. So anyway, I told them that I can't, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take me to get the gist of this job, and I can't live on $2,000 if it takes me a, a few months to start making more than that. And so, um, and then I was also, so, th- so there was that. They were offering that, and I, and I said on the very first interview with two women, you know, I said, I need more than that. I need 3500 And they're like, well, we can talk about that down the line. So fine. So, uh, you know, I, I do some other things. I go out on a drive with the woman who would have been my manager, and she liked me. So she said, all right, now you're going to interview with the man. And I'll give you a little secret because she liked me. She goes, I'll give you a little secret. They like it when you ask for the job. So I <laughs> I talked to this guy on the phone, and he was he was Irish, kind of flirty, and I could, t- I could just tell right away that I was going to be able to, like, have him eating out of the palm of my hand. So I go and show up to the, to the meeting in this hotel, you know, area where we're meeting. And, you know, I'm in my pretty little outfit and my hair is down and I look pretty. And, you know, and so I shake his hand and we're sitting there talking. And so he, he said um, something about the 2000. I said, well, that's absolutely not acceptable. I need 3500. Okay. Okay. Well, well, I, I think we could probably work that out. And so, um, so, <laughs> yeah, baby. so, so then, um, you know, my manager had said, you know, ask for the job. So then I said to him, here's what I'd like to do. I would really like to talk to a couple of your reps and see what they think and, and what they, you know, what their opinion is of this job. And then I'll let you know what I think. Mm-hmm. And he, again, he's like, he's like, well, well, I, I'm going to cherry pick those reps. And I'm like, I don't care. Send me your best one. I don't care. I just want to talk to people who work for your company. And so he gives me the names and I said, OK, well, I'll talk to them and I'll let you know if I want the job. <laughs> and so you I got talked. It. Yeah, I talked to the women and they loved the job. And, and so I, you know, I got back to him and I said, all right, well, I'm on board. I didn't ask for the job. I just announced that I was going to be working for them. And, and yes, you, know you what? did, like, girl. So it's like it was just a mind fuck. I think it's so it's like when people say, oh, uh, you know, I'm so nervous. Don't be nervous. You're interviewing them. What if you right. go to work for them and they treat you like shit? Ask them questions. Interview them. And it's like I learned watching my mother behave in the workforce. Like, don't give me any shit. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to be a great fucking employee. You've got a wonderful employee in me, but you don't treat me like shit. And so... I watched her do that and it gave me that confidence. So yeah, there's that. Well, and women had to, especially when your mom was coming up, you know, so much at stake, like your mom, God bless her for having that confidence, but raising you, you know, alone 
for the most part. Not to say that your father wasn't there, but your I know it was your mom. You know, well, yeah. I mean, he lived in Maryland, doing, and we lived in California. So basically, right, she wasn't. Right. Around. So she was doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And who 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 did she have to fall back on if if shit didn't work out? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, you you learn how to cut your teeth. Coming up in a man's world, and it's still so much of it still it is. is in business. It's crazy town. But I remember. Uh, you know, being in, I was in radio sales and I came up in a man's world where, you know, yes, I swore like a sailor. Yes, I could hang. Yes, I could sit in a room and listen to weird stuff. Yes, I could sling some weird stuff because I had to, to, yeah. to succeed and to get the promotion and to make the sale. I never compromised myself in a way that, you know, I walked out and said, oh God, I should not have allowed this man to talk to me this way or touch me like mm -hmm. that or whatever. In fact, I spoke up many times, but you know, you also have to be secure enough to say, I'm not going to stand for that shit and know that you may not have a job because exactly. you spoke. Okay. Men don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. No. Women have not to worry like about that. Not no. like we do. Not like we do. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's like you, you're not, if the sad truth is if if you're a woman and you're dealing with some kind of man who's making your life hard whether it's about sexual harassment or some other some other thing they may be doing if you complain then you're the troublemaker you're mm -hmm. the one who's making trouble and you're the problem mm -hmm. you know it's like i there was this guy that um when i was selling industrial chemicals he was working for a government agency and he basically wanted gifts, you know, and we did give gifts. We gave like the company provided us with just fun little things, keychains and knives and um, little things you could give people um, as a thank you for placing that order, which I don't really believe in bribing people to order. But, you know, whatever. They, they did it. And so I gave them gifts. But this guy would order big, 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 big orders. And so he wanted real fucking gifts for his uh, crew, which meant that I had to go out and buy $200 worth of gift cards from my own money. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I, I might be making $1,000 commission on his particular order. And I mean, we got paid like in that chemical company, we got paid like 30 to 35% commission. So if he ordered, you know, 55, you know, eight 55 gallon drums of something, I made a shitload of money. And mm -hmm. so I'd have to go out and assume beforehand that there was going to be an order. And then I would, um, and then I would uh, have to pay out of my own pocket, um, you know, in case they bought it these gift cards and I didn't think that was fair because it's like I shouldn't have to give up this chunk of my own earning so this guy can get gifts and and so I had moved to another job where they didn't give anything and so I called him up and I'm like and and so what this guy would do is he would organize um meetings for me where it would be a number of yards all there. So you'd have like the uh, the Los Angeles yard and the Sherman Oaks yard and the Van Nuys yard. And so all these people and all these people had the ability to order. So you could in one fucking sitting, oh my God, the amount of money that you could make would be huge. Mm -hmm. um, so I had this particular job where I was still selling chemicals, but I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily, and I didn't make as much commission. So I told him, I said, look, I don't, I, I don't have the ability to offer you the same things. And of course he didn't give me the meeting. And I, I, I wanted to complain.
but he was such a big shot that I knew I did complain, but I actually did it anonymously, and of course nothing happened. But if I would have complained, I would have been the tr- oh, she's a troublemaker. Right. Why should we work with her? Why should right. We, why don't deal with her? She's just going to complain. But really, there, there shouldn't have been this thing that I had to give. He was spending government money, not his own. I was spending my own. But, you know, it's like they got all this money, taxpayer fucking money, to buy these chemicals. And then he wanted gifts for them. And he specifically told me when I told him that I couldn't, I, you know, that this job that I worked for, that I couldn't afford it. And, and, and we didn't have the company didn't offer anything. He let me know that one of his other reps got him a leather jacket and another one got him a, lo- a big screen television. Mm, OK, Paola. Um, that's what we call it in my old business. Yeah. You know, the, the things, the things that um, are the, the stuff that is expected of employees, especially of sales employees like yeah. And that um, is both men and women. But I mean, there's yeah, different yes, expectations absolutely. for women. Right. But men have to go through this shit also. They do. They do. I'll give them that. Um, you know, I'm going to completely switch subject. Oh, first I want to say, Bob just showed up and the mixer is here. Woohoo! Shut it down, everybody! <laughs> so the mixer is in the house and um, we're going to be able to get this this going and I'm so excited. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to bring up this idea that I'm kind of freaking out about, and that's that Mueller might not be testifying publicly because he thinks it might appear partisan. Is that right now? That this is art. Just- there was a thing that came out yesterday saying this, that that his oh, I, yeah. people are saying this. Well, that's what his people are saying. I, I'm I, listen. If this man is not a patriot, if this man is not, you know. We can't hang our hats on whether Mueller's going to testify. Yeah, but the thing is, is that the the reason why it's so important, and you're right, we can't, but the reason it's so important is because people have not read the Mueller report. Even members of Congress haven't read the Mueller report. So if somebody like Mueller goes in front of the entire nation and, and is able to provide us with, okay, yeah, Trump did this, Trump said that. I mean, it's all going to be what he can't testify on things I don't think that are not in the Mueller report, but there's so much in it that if, if it comes out of his mouth and people see it, it will be extremely important for impeaching and for this next election that is likely compromised already. Right, right, right. Um, Okay. Well, and I'm uh, nervous that this, this whole idea, I mean, you know, Andrea Chalupa and, Sarah Kenzior suggests, I think it was Sarah, even she was on Bob's show and I want to get her on our show, but um, mm-hmm. she suggested that she thinks Mueller might be um, compromised. And I don't know. Anything how could- so? Please. How so? I, I, I need to, I need to understand what she means by that. How compromised, like there's dirt on him. Yeah. Somehow, like perhaps the Russians are, are uh, compromised or even threatened. You know, I don't know. I don't know how this all works because I'm just a, a podcaster pontificating. But I mean, and, and, you know, but this is coming from her, but I think, and I haven't heard her full reasoning for it, but I mean, compromised in that, yeah, something uh, might be out there that he doesn't want people to know and they're holding over his head. Um, or f- for all we know, there could be threats. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I mean, I, I wouldn't put anything past Russians. You know, it's like, forget what the American traditions are. You know, we don't kill reporters. We don't. But but Russians do. Mm-hmm. And, and they are 
clearly influencing Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And I like I could totally hear and I'm not saying that he would say this to Mueller, but like I could hear Trump or imagine Trump saying something along the lines of to somebody that's like, you know, a Lindsey Graham type or whoever that, um, hey, you know how Russians deal with uh, people who speak out or or how they deal with people who aren't loyal. Well, I'm really good friends with Putin. Well, we remember in Cohen's testimony that Trump doesn't come out and, and say, oh, go do go do this illegal thing. He mm-hmm. implies it. He suggests it. Mm-hmm. So if you said, you know, well, you know how Vladimir Putin is with people who aren't loyal. Putin's my friend. That's a little wink and a nudge to say, I'll kill your ass if you fucking go against me or what. You know what I mean? Maybe not kill you, but there will be hell to pay. You know, I mean? yeah. and, and with Lindsey Graham, you know, there was that there was that um, Russians hacked the RNC. They also hacked the DNC, but we know what they found with that. We don't know what they found with the RNC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think a lot of them are compromised, but the suggestion that Bob Mueller could be compromised. I mean, at this point in the game, I'm not saying he is, but I don't know. He, where is I he? I don't know either. Where is he? I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know. But... You know, they're going to get there. Um, Schiff and company are getting the unredacted Mueller report. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Are they? I didn't hear that. When? Oh, yeah, yeah. That happened this morning. Did they get yeah. it or are they're they getting, getting it? Okay. They're getting it. In, and then they're they're dropping that contempt charge for Barr. But if Barr doesn't produce, right. it's back on. Right. <laughs> it's back on. And, uh, you know. We're hosed. If these, if, if our Democrats don't all grow some teeth and mm-hmm. start gnashing them and say, look, we are not, we are not going to settle for anything less. Yeah. Strongly worded letters aren't enough anymore. No, that's not enough because here we are. We're the people they work for us. Mm-hmm. We elected them. We elected them and we need them to have backbone because our, 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 our lives are at stake. Yeah. As Americans, I, did I, God, I haven't, I haven't talked to you in forever. And I just want to mention this real quick. I was in France. Well, smell you, Miss Thang. Smell me, Miss Thang. (laughs) And so my mother-in-law is, um, she's, has spent a lot of time in France. That's kind of her thing. It was something that she worked her whole life to, you know, have an, uh, the ability to retire and spend some time there. Mm -hmm. And, and she worked her ass off and she was smart about the way she saved her money and she made it so for herself. And for, for years, she and my father-in-law house swapped and, you know, met French people, you know, that, that would come to Berkeley and they were academics and then they'd take their apartment in Paris and they'd give them their house in Berkeley. Like this is how they made this happen. Right. Um, so they developed some really, really cool friendships and that are now, you know, decades long friendships with people who have kids my age. And so my husband and I have been fortunate enough to meet these friends of, of my mother and father-in-laws and we've developed our own friendships with the kids of these folks. And so I had dinner with um, a couple in just outside of Paris and they're bright people, they're educated people, they're very interested in American politics. They're embroiled in their own, you know, shit in the European Union and with, you know, watching what happened with Brexit and the take that I got on more than one occasion, because we had, I had a couple of separate dinners with different people that don't even know each other, but who all sort of subscribe to our belief system. Mm -hmm. And that is... They think Trump's going to be reelected like it's a foregone conclusion to them. And I had to say, 
Like I, I got a pit in my stomach the first time. And I said, no, no. And here's why no. Because we mobilized, we got, I don't know, cocky, careless. I don't know what you want to call it in 2016. But when 2018 mm -hmm. came around, the people changed things. Yeah. The people of the United States of America are responsible for the change that took place, for the blue wave, for the 41 plus house seats that flipped. Mm -hmm. I rolled up my sleeves. I can speak for myself and for my husband and for my friends. I got on the phones. I drove to weird districts and campaigned for people who had a chance of, of saving and changing the way politics are done, saving democracy and changing the way politics are done in this country. And I believe in the people and I will continue to believe in the people and we're not done fighting. And there was relief um, when I said that. And I cited examples. I cited them because I know, because we were there, we did yeah. it, we were part of it. Um, and it's Yeah, but the, 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 the other side of that, and I hate to be the Debbie Downer, and this is what scares me so much, is that, okay, first of all, there was just an election in Australia that... Oh, mama mia. Yeah. So... They expected the Labor Party to win, and instead the conservatives won. In an unexpected turn of events, right? Well, we, Just we like with Trump. We've, we've, been, we've seen that movie. We've seen it, but we haven't done anything to fix it. Right. And it's much easier to infiltrate a, uh, or to, I shouldn't say infiltrate, but to sway, uh, my, Miranda's walking Hi, around. Hi, Miranda. Like she's just, she's, she's, I can tell. She's riled up too. She is riled up. She's walking around and I can tell, I can, I can always read her. She's like, she wants to talk. She's like, why aren't you paying attention to me? But anyway, um, so we haven't done anything to secure our elections and what was I just going to say? M Miranda made me lose my point. But um, oh, well, that's what's happened in Australia. Yeah, and, the, the fact that it, you know, I think that the Russians are obvious. I don't think I know that the Russians are working on twenty twenty. It's easier to try to, to to get a president in than a whole bunch of seats. There, there is a possibility that we could win the Senate, keep the House, and he would get reelected because of manipulation. Um, I and and if that's the case, of course I don't want it. But they would be able to impeach him and they would be able to, you know, obstruct everything that he does. But in the long, in, in the much bigger picture, this is what needs to happen. People need, okay, I think there was, how many voters, uh, I think let's say there was a hundred and, I don't know, 30,000, I mean, I'm sorry, um, what is it? Um, 130 million people who voted. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there was like 150 million people who didn't vote or whatever that mm -hmm. number is. So what we need is a big, huge chunk of that 150 million. We need, I don't know, a huge chunk could be a small percentage. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It could be a, because he mm -hmm. only won the electoral college by like 80,000 votes. So well, if we can, right, that was the cheat that took place in Michigan, Washington, yes. uh, uh, Wisconsin, and and Pennsylvania. Please. So what we need, and what Democrats again should be focusing on, is getting those people who did not vote. I mean, I think a lot of them did show up in 2018, um, and fortunately, we have kids who are paying attention now, and that will be able to vote in 2020. But mm -hmm. we need to go for those people who did not vote. Don't worry about the Trump supporters. Don't worry about the Bernie supporters or whatever who voted for Jill Stein. Don't mm -hmm. worry about those people. Focus on new people. That's mm -hmm. what we need. And if we're able, because we're going to have to overcome gerrymandering and voter suppression 
um, and Russian uh, cyber warfare, basically. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we have to overcome this and election interference. So we and, and, and interference seems like such a soft word, but they are attacking us through our elections. So we need to show up in numbers literally too big to ignore in order to win. That's what needs to happen. And so I'm hoping, you know, that's again why we need impeachment. That's again why Bob Mueller, I think, should testify publicly because it would be, you know, I mean, when, when OJ was on trial, it was the thing that everybody was watching. And I think that people would have that same sense of, oh, we have to watch this. We have to see. If it's a Mueller report that's, you know, redacted, nobody's, nobody's reading it. Even members mm -hmm. of Congress aren't reading it, according to a Republican. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, I think that maybe with this now that I've put everything on a big downer note, but uh, well, I guess I'm not because what I'm saying is show up to vote, figure, have a plan, you know, be like well, be like yeah. Elizabeth Warren and have a fucking plan for that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Whether it's calling people on the phone, knocking on doors, driving people to polls, having a you know, making sure that you have the time off to do it or doing it early, it's really not that hard. But you know, I know that some people have a difficult time while I work that day. Get it off in advance. You know, we're a year and a half out. Right. Ask for that day off now. Or if you can't get it off, make sure you can do the early voting. Just make sure you vote. So that's right. Anyway, that's um, right. I think we're going to um, we're going to wrap it up for today. But I'm just so grateful that we got the mixer. <laughs> the mixer is here. And now we're going to have guests again. We can have guests again. And you don't even know. I've just been dying. There's all these people I want to contact, like Sarah Kenzior and... I mean, there's Dina Grayson, there's Feminist Next Door, there's just so many people. I want to have Claude Taylor back on. I don't know if love you saw that he has, Claude. did you see he has impeachment papers and they're rolling papers? I fucking yes. love that. Oh my God, he's so awesome. I love him. Do you, I have so much, I have purchased so much shit for Claude. <laughs> I've got impeachment now stickers that are coming up on two years old. I love Claude. I have an impeachment now sticker on my monitor when I play music live in bars and venues. The monitor <laughs> sits up on the stage and faces the audience. It says impeachment now. I have impeachment now on my away suitcase that I roll through every airport in every place I ever go. I have uh, the Trump turds bags <laughs> and pick up my dog shit with those. I mean, I love Claude Taylor. Plus, Clock Taylor is a wizard. Yes. Clock Taylor is one of the original resistance fighters. Yes, he is. That, yeah, we, we got it. Oh, come on. Come I just on. love He's coming back. I just don't know when. I, I did mention to him in a comment, like, I got to get you back on the show, and he liked it, so... I'm I sure. love Claude. Claude's yes. the best. Let's he get is. him. Let's yes. get Claude. Woo, we we're going to have guests. We're going to have guests. Yay! Okay. okay. Well, listen... We're going to wrap this thing up. It's been a blast as always. I love talking to you. I always feel better when I leave this, this moment yeah, that too. I have with you, these moments. But I want to invite all of you listening to please hang around for and another thing. This time, we're going to talk about being Gen X women. What do you think of that? <laughs> and also, don't forget, we love your comments on Patreon. We're building a community and we want to hear your thoughts on the topics we discuss. So please visit patreon.com slash startmeup. And you can also find us on Twitter. I am at Lady Brain Show, and Kimberly is at Author Kimberly, L E Y. Okay. Yes. Go yes, to yes. Patreon, make your comments. Please become a patron. We love doing this for you, um, and we put our hearts and 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 souls into it. So please, come and be a patron. And um, on that note, I'm just going to say, love you. Bye.